What is up, DGAFers? It is Lauren recording a solo podcast for you today. So I'm actually going to be in this episode talking all about the beginning stages of my cancer diagnosis. This is actually an Instagram live that I did while I was in the hospital. I've actually watched this back like a few times because it's just so surreal. I don't even know if that's the word I'm looking for, but it's just wild how all of this happened and how I went from being like completely what I thought was normal, which I'll explain here in a second, to having an extremely rare, extremely aggressive cancer in a matter of minutes, days, like holy shit, my life was turned completely upside down in a matter of literal seconds. Um, so in this episode, I'm more so giving you the raw version of how I was feeling in the hospital and kind of what my diagnosis actually is. Um, so I will kind of reference that here as well. So I was diagnosed um, over a month ago with, like I said, a very rare, very aggressive cancer called ALL. That's the shortened version of it, um, but it's called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And I go into more detail um, during this episode. But the one thing that I didn't explain in this live video was how this kind of came about. And I've had a lot of people ask me questions on Instagram. I've even had a couple people reach out because they have experienced some similar symptoms to me and they're worried. And so I feel like I need to do a little bit of a longer intro here and explain how I kind of came to know that I had cancer. So uh, like I said, in this live video, I kind of say, I did a post about this on social media. So go read that. I'm not going to sit here and be on here for two hours and explain every detail. So I'm going to do a little bit here. So I'll try to make this as short as I can because um, this episode's kind of long. But I ended up getting sick. Um, my kids, I have two sons. I have an almost six-year-old and almost two-year-old. And they both had colds, right? You know, they're going to daycare. They're going to preschool. They get colds. They get sick. And I ended up getting sick, right? Always do. <laughs> and I got really, really sick. And so I thought it could have been COVID. I thought it might be the flu. So I went into my primary doctor and I got tested for COVID, tested for the flu. It was negative. And so they chalked it up to bronchitis because I had a cough. I had um, – my cough was freaking horrible. I was just having like cold symptoms, but they were like amplified by a lot. So my doctor's like, it's bronchitis. Put me on a pack. Put me on some other type of medicine and some pretty strong like cough medicine, the one with like the, the codeine and whatever on it in it. So – Fun fact, I was, I got sick on a Monday and I was like super sick on a Monday. That's when I went into the doctor's office and I was leaving for our mushroom trip on, I think it was either Thursday or Friday. I can't remember the exact day we left. And I told my doctor, I was like, um, I'm going on a business trip. I didn't tell him I was doing mushrooms, but I told him I was going on a business trip because it was for business. We had guides. We were doing an intentional mushroom trip. It was literally for our spiritual awakening for our business, all the things. But I obviously didn't tell him that, but I told him I was going for business. And he's like, okay, we're going to get you on the Z pack. We're going to get you healthy enough to get on the plane and get you to this trip. Cause I was like, oh my God, I've been planning this forever. I don't want to cancel. So I went on this business trip, um, AKA my mushroom trip. And I still felt like shit 
the entire time I was there. Um, the medicine did help with like my head cold symptoms. So like I didn't feel as bad, but my cough and chest pain was not going away. I had it the entire time I was in Florida. Um, and I felt like shit (laughs) basically the whole time I was there other than when I was doing mushrooms, which is interesting. Uh, one fun fact, when I was doing mushrooms, I was actually like one of my, my release. Um, so when you need to listen to the mushroom episode, I think that was our last episode. If you're like, what are you talking about? Um, but my like bodily release when I was doing the mushroom trip was sweating and a fun fact, actually sweating really helps your lymphatic system. And I'm diagnosed with lymphoma. So I just found that to be really interesting that during my mushroom trip, my body decided to sweat profusely. Um, but anyways, I got home from my mushroom trip and my symptoms were like not going away. I still had this horrible, horrible, horrible cough. My chest pain was still there. So I called my doctor again and he's like, okay, it's, you know, you could have pneumonia because that was something he was a little worried about uh, when I went in for the first time was like, let's get you on meds now so we don't develop pneumonia. And so he put me on steroids. So it was like a six pack. You know how if you've ever taken steroids before, it was like you take six pills the first day, then five, four, three, two, one. So it was a six pack. And actually the steroids worked. Um, All my symptoms went away. I felt absolutely amazing and normal. And I was like, okay, great. My bronchitis is gone. Problem is solved. Until two days after my steroid pack was over, all of my symptoms came back. My cough came back, like my chest pain came back. Um, also some of my other symptoms was I wasn't able to lay flat. Um, so I wasn't able to lay flat in my bed because when I did, I like would have this gurgling sound in my throat. Like I couldn't really breathe. And so it was like really painful. So I actually had to sleep in my recliner, (laughs) which is ridiculous, um, because I couldn't lay flat. So I called my primary doctor back again and I was like, um, my symptoms are back. I'm coughing again. My chest pain's back. I can't lay flat. Like what's going on? And he's like, okay, we need to do a chest x-ray because it could be pneumonia. I was hoping it was pneumonia at this point. So he ordered a chest x-ray for the next day. So this all happened really quick, you guys. So I like came home from Florida, called did my steroid pack the six days. And it was like, so it was like, what, like eight days later called, got my chest x-ray the next day. I went with my youngest or my oldest son came with me. And I remember talking to the lady at the desk, um, about just how, like I've had knee surgery. I've like, you know, I've had all these things happen. I got really sick. She's like, Oh, you've been through the ringer. Yeah. Little did she know I was about to go through the ringer even worse. So we did the chest x-ray. My doctor called me back because they got the results back quickly because he ordered it to be stat because he was worried it was pneumonia. And he said, um, it's not pneumonia, but it is abnormal, your chest x-ray. That's all he said. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He's like, we need to order a CT scan immediately. And so when he said immediately, it was literally like that next day in the morning, like we need to get you in immediately. So I went to my CT scan, got my CT scan. I was literally, oh my God, I showed up to the CT scan so fucking scared. I remember walking back in the waiting room and just bawling my eyes out. The lady, the poor nurse who was like doing the CT scan for me, I would just was like bawling to her. Like, I'm so scared to do this. I like knew something was wrong and I knew these results were not going to come back as anything good. I just had this like gut feeling 
So I'm crying literally basically the whole time, except during the CT scan, because you have to like hold your breath and do all this weird shit. Um, if you've never had a CT scan, they're bizarre. Uh, they put this contrast in your veins and you literally taste the most insane taste. It tastes like poison and your body gets super, super hot and you feel like you're going to pee your pants. So if you've never had a CT scan, there you go. That's what it's like. Um, hopefully you never have to have one. So got my CT scan and literally like an hour later, they had the results and my doctor called me and said, are you sitting down? And when he said that, I knew this was not good. I was on, I, he was on speakerphone and my husband was in the kitchen. So my husband heard that. So my husband came around the corner and was like, what the hell's going on? And he said, there is a very large, this is the words he used, very large mass in your chest. And the radiologist and myself looked at it and we think it could be lymphoma. Mind you, I have no idea what lymphoma is. I've maybe heard it once in my entire life and it doesn't sound good. And the words very large mass in your chest is also um, something you don't want to hear on the phone at all, ever. I don't know the best way to deliver that news. I'm sure he did his best. He was super nice. And so my first reaction was I just started hyperventilating, crying. My husband was freaking out, um, but trying to stay calm at the same time. And I'm like pacing around my house. I don't know what to do. My kids are there with me. I don't know what to do with them because my doctor then said, you need to go to the hospital right away because you're having trouble. I was, oh, I was also having trouble swallowing. Um, so when I was eating, I was barely able to finish my meals because I was having trouble swallowing. So he's like, because you have all these symptoms, this mass is very large. I need you to go to the hospital right now. Like figure out what to do with your children, go to the hospital, take them with you. You need to go and you need to be admitted. So that's how it all went down guys. And I went to the hospital, they ran tests. They did um, a biopsy on my mass. So they actually were going to do um, like a needle biopsy, but decided not to because they didn't think they were going to be able to get enough of it to figure out what the actual diagnosis was. So they ended up having to go through my throat. Um, so they had to cut open my throat, go down into my chest, grab a part of the mass. This is how they explained it to me, a chunk of the mass. And then they were able to run tests on the mass. And that is when a week later, though, so they sent me home from the hospital um, after they got the mass out of my, the chunk of the mass out of my chest. And I had to wait an entire week in order to figure out what my diagnosis was. It was the worst fucking week of my life. I will tell you that much information. I was petrified and I had no information and I was still having symptoms where I couldn't breathe well, couldn't swallow all the things. Um, but they said I was safe to go home and I was. And so I found out on, uh, not Labor Day, I found out on Memorial Day weekend, this weekend will never be the same for me again, that I was, that I was diagnosed with ALL. So my first oncologist diagnosed me with um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and then he didn't feel comfortable treating me at the hospital that I originally went to. And so I went to the Cleveland Clinic. That is where he recommended me go because the number one ALL uh, research doctor is there. And they did their own tests. You'll learn about this in this episode. I won't go into all of that. They ran all their own tests. So I did get a second opinion and it came back as the same diagnosis as my first diagnosis. So yeah, 
So a lot. It's it's been a lot. I've had a million procedures. Um, my body's been through the motherfucking ringer. Um, I will tell you that. But my mind is good and sharp, and my spirit is high. I will. Um, that has been really keeping me through. And I will say all the healing work that I've done up until this point with you know intuitive eating, with subconscious reprogramming, with EFT tapping, and working with my own individual coach. Um, healing inner child wounds, healing the mother wound, healing father wounds, healing so many things prior to this diagnosis. I'm telling you, I, if I would have been diagnosed with this kind of cancer a few years ago, even, even a year ago, honestly, um, I don't know how I would be doing right now. I don't think it would be well. I don't think I would be great mentally or, you know, in my spirits. I I don't know where they would be, honestly. I think it would be really rough. Um, My appearance has completely changed. I've been on steroids for over 35 days. I'm finally off of them now. But if you've been on steroids, 100 milligrams every single day for that long, you know your appearance gets totally fucked with. You get moon face, you get swollen everywhere. Uh, my hair's falling out, you know. So a lot of things have been happening physically. And just knowing if you know my story at all, just having body dysmorphia, you know, um, eating disorders, a lot of, you know, not a lot of self love man, I can't imagine if I would have been diagnosed with this back when I was dealing with all of that and ugh, it would have been really tough. But, you know, right now I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. Um, I'm feeling a lot better in terms of my chest. I don't have chest pain anymore. I'm, I can eat, I can swallow, I can lay flat, I can do all those things. So that pain has subsided. And, um, as of right now, my mass originally, I think I talk about this in the episode, but I feel like I need to reference it here as well. My mass uh, originally was 14 centimeters by 11 centimeters. So that's really, really large. Um, typically, my doctor said we see masses that are in, uh, what did he say? I don't know if this is the right measurement, but like milliliters? I don't know. Um, but centimeters is large. And then mine was 14 by 11, which is huge. And he said, and so as of as of today, my mass has shrunk down to five centimeters by 2.5 centimeters. Um, I actually had three masses in my chest. I had the one very large one and I had two tiny ones, one up in my collarbone on the left side and one in my left breast as well, all related to ALL. Thank God I also didn't have breast cancer. They thought maybe I could also have breast cancer. And I asked, is it possible to have two cancers at once? And they said, yeah, it is. I'm like, Oh, mother of God. Okay. Well, let's hope that's not the case. But um, the other two masses are gone. So I have one mass and it is shrunk by a lot. So good news. Um, But I have a very, very long journey ahead of me. I have six more months of super intense chemo. I'm getting chemo once a week. And it's a lot of chemo. It's one is in my spine. um, And then I have some through my port. I have a port that is under my skin. And they're very intense drugs. But after six months, I will enter in what's called maintenance. And so that is where I move to once a month chemo. My God, that's going to feel like heaven on earth. I'm going to actually be able to function as a human being. And that will be about two years of doing that. And then I'm going to have to recover from all this bullshit because my body 
Holy moly. Okay. So I will end this intro here. I know this was kind of long because the actual episode is kind of long, but um, I feel like it needs to be because this, this fucking journey isn't short. This is not a fucking sprint. This is a marathon. And I don't care if you're offended by the F word. Sorry. I say the F word. It's therapeutic for me. So if you don't like it, you're probably not going to like this episode. Um, but I hope you enjoy my story. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out you know, if you're feeling, and I want, I want everyone to really take this seriously because I have been having chest pains for over four years. And they said that this cancer would not have been in my body for four years because there's no way I would have lived. Um, but I'm pretty sure I've had a mass in my chest for a long time. And it, they said it was probably benign for a long time. And then it mutated, um, when I got sick. That's when they think that it started because they say this, this cancer doesn't last very long in your body without killing people. I was literally, they said probably weeks from dying, um, because the fluid on my heart that the mass was developing this fluid in my chest, um, was going to collapse my valves like in probably a week or so. So <laughs> if you are experiencing any chest pain, just go demand an x-ray, just tell them to fuck themselves and that you need an x-ray. Um, and just give yourself peace of mind. Hopefully there'll probably be nothing there and you'll probably be perfectly fine. And you know, all the things, but, um, yeah, I feel like, and, and there's, it's not my fault, but I feel like I wish I would have demanded, um, a chest x-ray when I was experiencing the sternum pain and maybe, I don't know, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe it would have still happened. I don't know. Um, I do believe in divine timing. I do believe in, you know, your journey is your journey and the process of life is going to happen and you just never know what it is going to be. And, and that's why we do this healing work. This is why we have the courses that we have and we have the containers that we have is because the healing work needs to be done uh, proactively, not reactively. And I'm very, very happy that I've been doing this work up until this point because look, Look what happened. I never could have predicted this. My entire fucking life could have never predicted this. But the work that I've done up until this point has really helped me, really, really helped me get through this. All right. I'm going to stop talking so that you can not be here for days. I hope you enjoy this. All right. Let's do this. Welcome to the Demand Growth Act Fearlessly podcast brought to you by Lauren Mayer and Jenna Lockhart. You guys, we are just two average girls who realized that the only way to truly live an exceptional life was to fight through our fears and never give up on our dreams. So when you hang with us, you're going to hear it all. The good, the bad, the, the ugly, and everything in between. As our loyal listeners, you're going to be known as a dga effer. like don't give a or get it. <laughs> oh, but really, we want you to think about this because you're one of two types. You're either a DGA effer who doesn't realize the importance of living a life of growth or change, or you're a DGA effer who doesn't give a what it takes to reach your goals. Our hope is that we can turn you into the latter if you're not already there. Hello. Lauren. Oh, I'm a little out of breath because I had my charger plugged in on this side of the bed and I went to grab it and I accidentally pulled it out of the wall 
And if anybody's familiar with being in the hospital and being freaking tied up with cords out the ass, IV machines, plugs fucking everywhere. I had to walk over there and get my phone charger, which is a bitch because you have to walk all over these damn cords. But anyways, like my cords right now are twisted. Hold on. My phone charger cord is entangled with my Ivy. <laughs> oh, so I'm a little out of breath, but I got here, I plugged it into my, to my stand here. Anyways, that's not the point of me going live. I don't, my point of going live is because, whew, wow, today has been a day that I need to docu document. I had a couple ways that I could document this day. And I thought about journaling. Um, but then I didn't really want to. And it just seemed like a lot of energy. Maybe I will, but not right now. Um, I talked to my husband about it, which was really nice. I'm probably gonna cry through 95% of this, so if that annoys you, I guess you can just not watch. Um, because this is really hard for me to speak. Maybe speaking wasn't the best way, <laughs> best way to document this. Um, but, so today, yesterday was my first day of chemo. So if you're new, um, and you're not sure what's going on. I was recently diagnosed with a rare cancer called T-cell acute. This is such a long fucking diagnosis. So T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. <laughs> I would literally pay you to type that in the captions if you just heard what I said because it's so fucking long. It took me forever to be able, not forever, because I've only known about this diagnosis for like a week, but it took me like literally probably a week to be able to say the word lymphoblastic <laughs> every time like a doctor would ask me. So what's going on? I'm like, I think I have this thing called, I just said ALL because that's the shortened version of it. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, some lympho Fosmastic past. I could, like, could not say it. But I finally know how to say it. So I have acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And it is rare. Um, it's a rare diet, rare cancer. And I shared a little bit about, um, I, I posted a reel and I posted a post um, not too long ago. Here's all my like heart monitors and stuff I've got on right now. So you can see that. Um, about how this developed. So if you're, you know, if you're curious about how did you find this? Cause like, honestly, you guys, like I was normal and perfectly fine. I am going live just FYI. 
My husband just walked in with my pudding. I'll show you this pudding they have in the cafeteria. And it, <gasps> it's closed. <sighs> well, that sucks. What's that? Tomato mozzarella sandwich from Mr. Oh, I'll try it. Pesto. Ew, pesto's too tangy. That's okay, you can eat it. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know what I was saying, but oh, so like I was like pretty like normal before this whole diet, this whole thing went down. Um, like seriously, I was like exercising and like taking care of my kids and like normal, right? And then, so I told the story on my Instagram, you can find it in a couple places of like how this came about and how I ended up figuring out that I have this. Um, so anyways, I won't share that, but I'm here and this is my diagnosis. I am at the best place possible, like a world renowned hospital. Um, the Cleveland clinic, like very world renowned. Um, and the doctor that is actually a part of my team, what did they say about my like doctor that's on my team? She's can can you just say that really loud, please? She's considered a world researcher, which is the top less than one percent of doctors in the world studying that particular disease. Yeah, so I have her on my team. Um, oh, um, Joey said she missed the beginning. The official diagnosis is T cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So ALL is the short version. So, um, but that's my official diagnosis. And so it's a very, it's rare, but what Nick was just saying was the doctor who is in, is on my case on my team is one of the like top researchers of ALL, um, like in the country, like in the world. So like, I'm in really good hands, you guys. Um, and I have an amazing team of doctors and I feel very confident where I am um, at the Cleveland Clinic. So, and I'm in an awesome room. Look at this view. I have windows all around my room. My beautiful husband who's been taking such great care of me. He's absolutely amazing. Um, so let's, I wanted to talk about today for a second. So <laughs> I had my first um, chemo treatment yesterday. So it's taken a little bit of some time, um, to get this diagnostic like nailed down. So when I originally, so like when I, I, I got an x-ray on my chest. So that's how they found this mass. Um, and once I got the CT scan back, so they saw the x-ray, they saw the mass, right? And they were like, oh shit, this doesn't look normal. And so they scheduled me for a CT scan stat. I had my CT scan done and the news that I got was like jaw dropping. Um, my mass in my chest is giant. Like when they use the word, when a doctor uses the word, your mass is huge. Uh, like my face was like, I'm sorry, what? Like usually I'm like, oh, you have like a little mass. Like that's what I would expect. No, like mine's huge. So they found right here, okay, like right, it's literally right in front of my heart. Um, it's actually pushing on my heart. It's also pushing on my esophagus. It's pushing on some arteries. It's pushing on things, right? So when they told me it's like eight by 
It's like eight by 11 by 13. I don't know if the order of those numbers matter because it's like a sphere, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's the size of my mass currently right now um, that's sitting in my chest. And that is why it's been difficult for me when I got sick. Um, I had a super bad cough and it was very difficult for me to breathe. It was very difficult for me to um, swallow. And that's because of this mass that's in, that's in my chest. So when they found the mass, um, they told me to immediately go to the hospital. So my primary doctor was the one who called me back and was like, um, we got the CT scan back. You have a very large mass in your chest and the radiologist and I were looking at it and it looks like lymphoma. Mind you at the time, I don't know what the fuck they're saying. I like, I'm like, I've heard of lymphoma before, but I'm like, wait, that's, is that cancer? I think that's cancer. Like I, you should have, I mean, if you would have been a fly on our wall, like I was like hunched over, like hysterically crying, hyperventilating. I had to just pace my kitchen like back and forth. I didn't know what to do. I was just like pacing. I was pacing in my front yard. Like I didn't know what to do. My doctor was like, you need to go to the hospital because you're having symptoms. Like you're having trouble breathing. You're having trouble swallowing. Like you need to go literally right now. So we got our kids situated with um, like our parents and stuff. And then I went to a hospital close to where I live. Um, Oh, hold on. I think I have a nurse coming in. Hi. Hello. I'm on Instagram live. Is that a problem? Oh, you're fine. You're you look good. so cute. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh. I just don't want to like get anyone in trouble. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks. My night nurse yeah, is here. So thanks, Dude. Natalie. <laughs> okay. My nurses are fucking amazing. Um, anyways, so where was I? So I went to the hospital right that's where I was I was telling them that I got admitted to the hospital are you listening you know you're doing something over there so I went to the hospital and well by my house that's what I was saying it was close to my house so it's like the hospital I'm at right now is probably about 45 minutes 40 minutes away from my house the hospital I went to originally is like 10 minutes away from my house so I went there they had the CT scan I went to the emergency room they were like okay we need to get you um in here now so that we can get a biopsy of this thing, a look of this thing so that we can actually see what it is. So long story short with that, I ended up getting, I can't pronounce this still, what was this called? This? Mediastinoscopy. You gotta speak loud, please. Mediastinoscopy. Medias, what is it? No, I know I just learned lymphoblastic after the past six days. Can you just tell me? Me? D. D. This is too many breaking ups. All right, I don't know how to say it. Mediastinoscopy. So I had a mediastinoscopy. You literally just said I can't. Anyways, I don't need to say it again. You guys got it. So basically what they do is this is healed pretty well so far. Um, they actually put an incision here in your, like, I guess throat, like near your chest, like bones here. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I'm not in the medical field whatsoever. So I'm butchering the shit out of this. Um, and I think they put like a tube. They put something down there. Like a 
like a claw like, is what I imagined. No, it's got oh, a <laughs> I just it. thought it. You know what I pictured they were doing? Like grab, like, like the, the grab claw from like the game, and they were just like getting in there and just like and just like ripping a chunk of my mass out. That's how I envisioned it. But uh, they put some type of device down there, and they got um, a chunk of the mass. So they were gonna do a needle biopsy at first, but they they didn't think they were gonna get enough. Um, to be able to actually know what it is. So thank God they didn't do that and then have to go through this other one. So I did this procedure. They got a chunk of the mass. When the thoracic surgeon, that's how you say that, right? When the thoracic surgeon came back, she said the mass looked, it had some abnormalities on it. So it looked cancerous when she was in there. Um, Gemma goes, the claw. Yes, that's like what I envisioned, the claws. And my, my like cancer my cells are like oh shit they're like, those little green <laughs> like take me home from, uh, toy, toy story, story yeah yeah that's what i envision um so she said you know she, the it did have some weird looking shit on it that's how i'm gonna explain it and but she thought it was gonna probably be like hodgkin's lymphoma because long story short I've had chest pain for actually a long time like three to four years like i've had chest pressure there um and in hodgkin's lymphoma if you're not familiar is actually a slow growing cancer so like when i told them that and that the mass was right there where hodgkin's usually is they thought it was probably going to end up being hodgkin's lymphoma which actually would have been a better diagnosis i don't know if diagnoses are better i don't want to say that and offend anyone who has it a diagnosis is awful no matter what, but that's what the doctors were. That's what the doctors were saying. They were hoping it was Hodgkin's lymphoma and not non-Hodgkin's, which is what this is. This is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so she's like, it looks promising that it could be. It, it doesn't look like it's invaded anywhere else. That's what she said. It looks like it's just right here in her chest. Um, but we obviously have to wait till the results come back. Okay, cool. So. They do all this, I stay the night, and I got released the next day to go home because it takes five to seven days to get the results back from the biopsy. Holy shit, can I tell you, those whatever amount of days I was home were the most stress I have ever experienced in my fucking life. Like, my anxiety, like knowing you have a mass here and it and they tell you so this is what they tell me at the hospital before I sign up not only do I have a huge mass the word huge was used in my chest it is on my heart and I have fluid pushing on the valves of my heart and if the fluid gets too much it can collapse my valves and when your valves collapse you die <laughs> like literally you just you die because your heart can't pump anymore so like imagine hearing like they obviously they didn't say it like that but like imagine hearing that and then they're like okay it's time to go home and wait five to seven days until you get your results back uh, like i had to go be with my kids like oh it was it was it was awful um yeah, it would be, okay, thank you, thank you. It would be more treatable is what us survivors say about other cancers. Okay, thank you. I'm learning. I'm brand new to this. It would be more treatable. 
Yes. Okay, thank you. Like I said, I'm brand new. This has been like, what, two, two <coughs> weeks, I think, now. Um, anyways, so back, where was I? So anyway, so I wait the five to whatever days. So I had an appointment with my oncologist on May 27th on a Friday. Okay. So I'm like awaiting this, uh, appointment that's on a Friday. I think it ended up being five days. What day did I get released? Sunday or Saturday? I think Saturday. Saturday. I think I got released. I th thank you, Beth. Yeah, it's definitely it's a freaking huge learning curve, and I'm probably gonna say other dumb shit because I say dumb shit in general. Um, so just please politely correct me, and I will I will do my best to speak correctly. Um, so she she who am I saying? They released me from the hospital on Saturday. My appointment with my oncologist was on Friday, so like six days, I guess. <laughs> My oncologist is a smart motherfucker. That's all I have to say. Like, I won't say his name. I won't say his name. He's like super smart. Like, so I'm not. He's great. I'm gonna talk about how great he was. He was great. Super, super smart. Like, knows his shit, which I would hope so. We would hope every oncologist knows their shit. But this guy was like on top of his game. So I go into his office on Friday. And my appointment's at 1.30, and I'm sitting in the office room for a, a little long time, right? We, I don't think he saw us until, like, it was, like, 2.30, I think. So I was kind of getting nervous, like, maybe I'm like, maybe he's just, like, having longer talks with his other patients. Like, he has other people in front of me, and, like, they're obviously going through something maybe similar to I am. And, like, I get it. Like, it's fine. I'm just going to pace in this room back and forth for, like, a while. It's totally fine. So he eventually comes into the room. And he quickly tells me my diagnosis. Um, he seems a little flustered, and I'll tell you why. He seemed a little flustered at first. Um, he tells me immediately that you have a rare cancer. It's called exactly what I just told you, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and ALL for short. And he explained some other things. And he was like, do you have any questions? And I was like... I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what? What did you just say? Like, what's going on? Like, I'm so, I was so in shock. I was just like, what am I hearing? At first I heard the word that I'm like, I heard the word leukemia. And like, I, that wasn't even on my radar. Like, like when I met with my oncologist in the hospital, he kind of ran me through maybe a couple like options that this could be like thymus cancer, I think was something Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, other lymphomas or something. Like there's like a lot of different lymphomas I'm learning. And I don't really remember anything else he said, but he said a couple other things. But I swear to you, I did not hear the word leukemia in any of those things. Um, yeah, time moves slower in oncology. <laughs> yeah. So when he uttered the words leukemia, uh, like my my husband was with me in the room and I brought my sister because she's an ICU nurse at um, a hospital. So she, I was like, I'm not going to understand what's going on. And like, I don't really know medical jargon very well. So like, I wanted to bring someone with me who could like, you know, understand kind of maybe what they were saying and be able to like, tell me in like, layman's terms. <laughs> so I brought my sister with me. And like all of our jaws just like dropped, like, none of us were expecting this at all.
he was so sweet. He, like I said, I'm like, he's a smart ass doctor, but he was like so genuine by saying like, I can't take on your case because this is a rare complex case and I just don't feel comfortable treating you here at this hospital. I don't feel like I have the resources um, to, to treat you here. I, he's like, I could, but I just like don't feel comfortable, especially knowing that there's hospitals near here that do have the resources and are able to specialize and and like they know about ALL like they know their shit when it comes to this so I really really am so happy that he humbled himself and said that and and put me in the hands of the Cleveland Clinic that's what he recommended that's who he recommended uh, me to go to first he said the team's absolutely amazing so I came so anyway so he the reason he was flustered when he came into the room was because he was actually on the phone trying to get me into the Cleveland Clinic as fast as possible. And like Beth said, sometimes things take a little bit longer than we would like. And so he was really trying to get the message across, like this needs to be treated, we need her to get in there. And so he was on the phone with them. And so that's why he kind of came in like, and that's why he was late because he was on the phone with other doctors um, for me. So I really appreciated that. So I left the oncology appointment on that Friday and um, it was a wait for a phone call type conversation is what I got at the end was wait for a phone call and see you should be getting in soon. And my, mind you, it's Memorial Day weekend, like of all, Jesus, like of all, like nobody's things aren't moving fast on Memorial Day weekend it's a holiday so I'm like okay so Saturday we did some stuff trying to keep my mind off of things you know like trying to keep busy we went to dinner with like his my husband's family and stuff um which was good but I was like so numb and like it was so hard for me to even be present in a social situation because like I wanted to like be respectful and like be involved but I like couldn't like I'm just sitting there eating dinner just like staring into the wall like I was just like it was hard so we went to bed on Saturday night I didn't think this live was going to be telling you all these details but um we went to bed on Saturday night and I had the worst night's sleep ever um, so with this mass being on my chest, it, it was, it's really hard for me to lay flat because when I lay flat, I can't breathe. Like I have like this gurgling, like it sounds like I'm choking. Like I literally can't breathe. Um, so I was sleeping in my lazy boy at home. So like the chair, um, in my baby's room. So I brought that into my bedroom and I had been sleeping in that and actually pretty damn comfortable. I actually slept in that thing after I had my C-section um, for a week and it's really really comfortable because it can lay pretty much flat like a bed and it's super soft but what I was noticing on Saturday was that I was able to lay back a little bit flat before but it kept inching forward every night like I had to keep sleeping more and more straight up straight up straight up because I couldn't breathe and on Saturday night I was basically sitting straight up like my recliner was not back at all and I was having a lot of pain 
I was having pain shooting down through my arms, which was new. Um, so I was having newer pains kind of happening. So when the morning rolled around, I just looked at my husband and I was bawling and I was like, something, I can't sit here. Like I can't sit in this house with this rare cancer that I know nothing about and I have no treatment near me. I don't have, what if something happens to me at night? Like I can't breathe. Like I don't feel safe here. And so then we called um, Suma back and we talked to one of their fellows and he was like, listen, you need to just go. You need to just go to the emergency room at the Cleveland Clinic main campus. I had paperwork from my oncologist that had the diagnosis that he diagnosed, all the details. And they're like, just give them this piece of paper and you'll be taken care of. So I'm like, okay. So we drive to the Cleveland Clinic main campus and we do just that. And thank God it was Memorial Day. So you know what was nice about that? There was literally no one here. <laughs> like the emergency room was like weird. There was like two people in the emergency room, like lobby. It was like dead silent. When I went to the SUMA emergency room, it was like hell on wheels when we were there. But like when we came here, it was like, there was no one here. It was so quiet. It was so peaceful. So that was really nice because it kept my anxiety down. We got admitted. Um, we sat in the um, ER for a while because you know that's how that works. Um, they did some some tests and we're just reading over the paperwork and the results and going back and forth with Suma trying to like we're figuring out what's going on blah 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 blah. So the Cleveland Clinic wanted so my team of doctors saw the diagnosis that my oncologist gave at Suma, but they wanted to make sure they double checked it, which I really appreciate. Like, okay, second opinion, let's double check all of this stuff. Like, let's make sure we have the right diagnosis before we start treatment, which I really appreciate them doing their work thoroughly. And that really impressed me. But once again, I'm still in the waiting game. So it took a while for them to get, did they ever get my mask shipped over? I don't know. Yeah. Portion they got a portion of, of it shipped over and there's another portion of it's in California because I guess that's something that they do that I didn't know either um <laughs> don't ever say quiet about about an ER nurses cringe at that word it was it was it was so quiet it was weird I was yeah I know um <laughs> yeah because then it's just gonna be a mad rush like probably any second so they, the reason they, so when I got to the Cleveland Clinic, they didn't have my mass that they took the biopsy from because that was at SUMA and then SUMA, I guess, has to ship it to California for, I don't really know. Um, oh, I think my nurses are probably, can you shut up? Oh, hi. Are you doing my vitals? Yes. Okay, pause, please. I'm on Instagram live, so I won't show you. Got it. <laughs> can you just do? Yeah, I'm just wondering where your blood pressure oh. is. Where is it? Oh, there it is. So they didn't have my, um, they didn't have my mask shipped here. So they didn't have that to test with. So they wanted to make their own. Is it called a prognosis? Pathology? What is it called? A diagnosis based on the pathology. Based on the pathology. You guys, 
Good thing I'm not in the medical field because I would butcher so many words. Like, it would be so bad. <laughs> it would be so bad. So they didn't have the slides or the mass or whatever. So they had to do their own testing on me here um, in order to get so other biopsies here in order to get some results. Okay, go. Ready? Am I good? Temperatures, yes. Okay, my temperature is good. Let's <clears throat> make sure my blood pressure is good. Good. Okay, good. That's Thank you. You're welcome. You need anything from me? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, they were working on getting my biopsy here because they wanted to check it out, but that was taking a while ended up that the fluid around my heart was getting a little more and it wasn't safe anymore to have it in there because uh, when I was at SUMA, I had the fluid, but they said it wasn't really causing a lot of concern. So they didn't feel the need to drain it, which I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, I don't have to go under a procedure for that. But once, you know, time had passed, the fluid started developing more and they eventually came in and said, okay, it's time to, we gotta drain this thing. It's, it's getting too much. It's putting too much strain on your heart. So I went in for that procedure. So it's like under my left breast here. I actually still have some gauze here. Um, you are wide awake for this, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they numb you with some lidocaine, but other than that, you're just your normal self and they put this tube in there and they drained out, you guys, they drained out. Where's my water bottle? I'm not grabbing it because my IV will fall. They drained out almost 16 ounces of fluid around my heart. So go get a water bottle right now, fill it up with water, 16 ounces, that's how much fluid was around my heart. So they drained that all out. They showed it to me because they were like, do you want to see? And I was like, yeah, they showed it to me. And it was like, it literally looked like Powerade, like yellow Powerade was the color of it. It was so weird. Uh, but that's actually a good sign. They said because there was no red, that's actually a good sign. So there wasn't blood um, involved. So once they drained the fluid, they were actually able to use the fluid um, for a biopsy to actually see if they could see any cells that would... Um, tell them what this is. So they had that. They also did a bone marrow biopsy on me as well. So if you don't know what, if familiar with that, same thing, I, it was in my room. They actually just did it in my room. I laid on my bed, they lidocaned me up and they literally used a drill. Didn't it look like one from like Home Depot? It looked like a hot glue gun. It looked like a hot glue gun, my husband said. And it sounds like a drill. It's like, like through my back, kind of like my hip pelvic area in my back. So they, they showed me that too. They showed me my bone marrow, which is really cool. It's like this little strip of like red tape is what it looked like. It was bizarre. So they showed me my bone marrow and then they got some blood from that. So they had the bone marrow. They had the blood from the bone marrow. They had my fluid from my heart. Um, and then I had a PET scan. So they wanted to just check everything to see if like I had any other masses anywhere, anything like that. Um, 
what ended up coming back for my PET scan, you guys, this story is insane. I'm so glad I'm documenting this on live because I don't want to have to tell the story again because it's exhausting because it's long. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. So they did a PET scan and when it came back, obviously this area where my mass is was like lighting up, bing, like really, really bright, which they already knew about that. But something else lit up and it was in my left breast. Um, so there was a teeny tiny little something that was lighting up. So, but there was no other masses anywhere. So that's good news. There was nothing else like spreading anywhere else. Um, so they had to, I had to go for a mammogram yesterday. I had a mammogram. So I had to go to the breast center. They had to do a mammogram and they had to do an ultrasound. And then I had to also have a biopsy of my left breast. So I had that biopsy done um, yesterday here. That result doesn't come back for another five days. They don't think it's anything. They think if it is anything, it's related to this mass here. Um, the ladies in the breast center were amazing. They were like, they couldn't even pick it up on my mammogram because it's so far back. It was only able to be picked up on the ultrasound. So, and when they did do the ultrasound and the biopsy and all that, they said that it was super small and it was very like perfectly circular, which I guess that's like a good sign. I don't really know. I'm not really familiar with this. Kind of looked like a cyst is what they said. So we'll figure that out later. That's gonna take a week to know what that guy is. Um, but long, anyways, after that, they said that the fluid on my heart actually was able to give them the confirmed diagnosis of the acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So my first oncologist was completely right. We had the second opinion and it ended up being the same thing, but I'm glad I, we got the second opinion just to double check and make sure. So I started chemo yesterday. So now I'm on a chemo plan. I have my calendar. I get chemo once a week and for a long time, <laughs> Uh, for a really long time. They told me today, probably eight to nine months, I will be going through chemo. Um, and then I might have to have a bone marrow transplant um, after that. So this is going to be a really long process. But my, I wanted this video to be about my day today, but I guess I needed to give this needed to come out as well, just kind of the process of everything. So after I got my chemo, I didn't know what to expect. Um, it's through my pick line here. So I had to have a pick line. They were going to give me a Hickman, which can, um, is in your chest, but I spiked a fever the day before I was supposed to get this Hickman. And so they will not do that if you have a fever. So I had to get a pick line. Eventually I will get a Hickman when I go home because it's easier to clean. It's easier to manage, um, than the pick line is. But for right now, they put my chemo through here and they run one of them gets run through my iv bag up there it takes 10 minutes the other one my nurse has to actually come in and manually um, push it in for 10 minutes so my chemo only takes 20 minutes um i do have a different type of chemo this coming week on monday it's only once a month and it's in my spine. So they're, it's like, they're gonna, they said it's like kind of like an epidural like feeling. So I'm gonna have to get it through my spine and I'm gonna have to lay down for like two hours after that. And then after that, it should be fine. 
I'll tell you how that goes. I'll document that. See how that goes. Um, so I was, I was nervous. I didn't know. I don't know what I'm going to feel after I have chemo. I've never had chemo before. All I've seen about chemo is on movies and don't look good. I have no idea. And I know I'm going to have days that are not good. Like <laughs> I already know I'm going to have days where I'm fatigued. I'm going to have days where I don't feel good. I'm expecting that. I know that. Um, what chemo are you doing? I know the medicines. I don't know. There's a bunch. Like there's a lot. Um, and the words are really long. So I don't know if you want me to try to butcher the shit out of these. But I have quite a few meds um, that I'm taking. And I'm taking some things orally. Um, like I'm taking a steroid. I know that's not chemo, but I'm taking a steroid orally, um, but I don't know the names of all the chemo and it's on my calendar. And if I tried to say them, I would totally butcher them. Um, so I guess, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Um, so anyways, I didn't know how, I, I didn't know what to expect from this. Um, I know you can get mouth sores. So I've been doing these, um, like mouth washes, like after I eat, my appetite's been absolute shit. So like, that's been interesting. Um, but after I eat, like at nighttime and stuff, I do these mouthwashes. I do it four times a day to help prevent mouth sores. But what I'm noticing so far with the chemo that I did yesterday is my mouth does feel a lot more dry um, than normal. And I think that's what causes the mouth sores is like you get like dry mouth. And so just get sore over time. Um, oh, thanks, Heidi. And so that's kind of what I'm experiencing right now, but I don't have any, are you watching that Snapchat of Cameron? Yeah, having so much fun. Oh, I don't have any nausea um, yet. I didn't really feel tired today. I went on a walk and outside, it was absolutely beautiful outside. But the point of me telling you about today is I was telling my husband like, the people I had come visit me today, and like, if you haven't visited me today, like, I'm, I'm actually should say the people that I've had come visit me so far, <laughs> let's just say that. And today it all hit me. We're just gonna say it like that. So the people that have visited me so far and just the conversations that we have had, um, I'm writing a children's book about cancer. As soon as it's done, I would love to send it to you. Oh, I would love that. Yes, please. Thank you. That would be amazing. Um, so the people who have visited me so far, like, I don't know how I explained this to you, but have really, I've never felt more myself, like, in my entire life. Like, around these people. And I don't know if it's these the people, and it could be, like, people that I'm, like, feeling more of a deeper connection with who have visited me so far or it could just be that I'm developing a lot more self-love for myself um which I think that's a huge and I, and I know I know I am developing a lot more self-love for myself because I was telling my husband today for the first time in like like probably ever I think ever actually I was witnessing what it's like 
to allow your mind to be the observer of your life and not the driver of your life. I was literally observing my personality today. So my poor doctor, he's the sweetest fucking guy ever. <laughs> he's so sweet, but they all have masks on. And so like you can't see their facial expressions, right? And anytime a doctor comes in and you have cancer, your heart kind of like stops a little bit and you're like, oh shit, what are they gonna tell me? Like, oh God, uh, uh, like it, it like freaks you out. So, and then the mask on top of it like doesn't help because now you don't know if they're like smiling or like have any type of anything. So he comes in and it was one morning I was like losing it. I was like crying hysterically. It was not a good morning. My dad was supposed to be here. He was run in traffic, so he was running a little bit late. And then the doctor came in and at this point we had told the doctors like, please do not tell her anything until someone is with her, like either her husband, her dad, her mom, um, just wait until somebody's there if you're telling her any new news of anything. So my doctor comes in, nobody's here yet. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear this. Like, and he's just like, oh my God, like what? <laughs> I felt bad. So I kind of like, I didn't like yell at him. I'm like, I can't. So he's like, it's okay, I'll come back. My, I'm like, my dad will be here in like 10, 15 minutes, I promise. So the doctor leaves. <laughs> my dad, I call him, I'm like, where are you? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, literally your throat and heart chakras were opened, biopsy and fluid removed. I believe that 100%. So he leaves. My dad, I call him, I'm like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> So he's like, I'm here, I'm almost here. Like I'm parking, like I'm walking in. So my dad comes in and then the doctor comes in again and he didn't even have any bad news to tell me. He was telling me I was gonna start chemo that day, which was actually really good news because I was just wanting to start treatment. Like, so if you've never been diagnosed with cancer before, and I hope you never are, um, when you find out that you might have cancer, but you don't know, and then when you find you know, when they're in that, like, I don't know phase, which is absolutely terrifying, you're just really wanting a plan. Like, you're just craving, like, can someone just tell me what this is? Can someone just tell me what the next step is? Can someone just tell me, like, I just need a plan. Like, sitting in this unknown is, like, torture. So, he was actually telling me, like, today we're going to start chemo. Like, we know what your diagnosis is. Like, that was his news. So, my sarcastic ass... <laughs> tells him like just joking I'm just joking with him because I can't see his face I was like you guys always come in here looking so serious and I was like it basically feels like you just built my grave outside in the back and you're like all right time to go time to go over here we're just gonna ship you to this grave I built for you out here I said that to my doctor and I was meaning it as like a sarcastic joke. I think he may have taken it personal for a second. Um, but I was just obviously like trying to break the ice and like joke with them. But then he started laughing and whatever. So then he told me like, we're starting chemo today. We know your diagnosis. It's the same thing it was when you came in here. And so it was like a good, a good day actually. So, um, after having the chemo, I didn't know how to ex expect how I felt. And so I've had all these visitors. And I think the reason I 
I'm feeling all of these emotions today is because of the chemo and that I'm actually on a plan and I'm actually like moving forward um, with my healing. I was able to actually observe my personality. And in that moment, I noticed that I was observing myself from my mind. Like I actually got to observe my sarcastic personality, like my jokiness, my humor, my way to break the ice in a very tense room. I like actually was able to observe myself like taking a very intense situation and making people laugh from it and like making people breathe and being able to like let their shoulders down and have like a really human moment. So I really noticed that about myself, um, which was really cool because I've never actually observed myself in that way. I also had a really deep conversation with some visitors today, um, their family members, about my mushroom experience that I had. So I did psilocybin actually when I had cancer and I didn't know it um, back at the end of April because they said this had just developed about a month ago. And at the end of April, I decided that I wanted to, not at the end of April, I decided, but we planned this out obviously. Uh, but at the end of April, I did go and I did one and a half grams of psilocybin, which is mushroom. So like plant medicine. <sighs> we have a whole podcast on that. We're going to make it a podcast. We did a whole um, Zoom live situation with people and we told our whole, our whole story. So I'm not going to get into that because my husband would kill me because I would be here for like 10 days if I did that. But we will release it as a podcast episode if you're interested um, and listening to it. If you actually want to listen to it now, I think you can just message us your email. I don't know anything anymore about our business because I've been in the hospital. So I don't know where links are or anything. But if you can message us and we can uh, send you that Zoom if you're interested in about mushrooms um, and learning about our experience. But I was telling the family members that were here about my experience because they were actually have been interested in doing psilocybin for a really long time and they have never pulled the trigger so they were just really interested in my story and like my experience with that and I was able to observe myself again in this conversation and I was observing all of my wisdom it was weird I was like talking and telling them my experience while also observing the wisdom that I have gained from that experience at the same time. The wisdom that I have gained from all of the experiences that I've had up until this time, the wisdom I have gained as a coach and as a business owner and my own healing experience. Like I was able to actually for once observe that, observe all the healing that has been done. And I was like, whoa. Like I had, you know, the visitors that were here, we were crying together. We were talking about inner child work. We were talking about our little kids. I had a grown ass man <laughs> sitting here with me, talking to me. And he admitted to me that he was doing a meditation once a deep meditation and he was hugging his six-year-old self in this meditation just bawling his eyes out and like we were connecting and like talking about how amazing inner child healing work was and I was able to observe like the power 
that this has on like with people and it was just really cool with our conversation so we left that conversation jenna came today we had the most heartfelt talk ever and it was just so real and i was telling my husband like today i just felt like the most real and the most vulnerable out of myself but also out of everyone that was with me like everyone was just so human and so just real there was no performing there was no trying to one-up each other there was no trying to impress each other with my outfit or with my makeup or with how much money I have in the bank like there was none of that it was literally just pure soul connection like just pure vulnerability so I'm almost done with this live this is gonna be like a seven hour live so I left everybody left all the visitors went went home my husband was supposed to go down and get me pudding, but the cafeteria was closed. So my husband went downstairs. Or no, you haven't gone downstairs yet. I had to go pee. So I went in the bathroom and everybody had left. And I just started sobbing, like sobbing. Like I, I, I took video of it because I'm like, I need to like document this moment. Sobbing, like snotting everywhere. <laughs> like, and I wasn't crying because of sadness. I was crying because I've never loved myself so much like I realized that like that I uh, and I have cancer and I'm in this really scary place and I'm feeling the most intense self-love that I've ever felt in my life and I've I did an EFT tapping meditation the other day um, about cancer and they said, then this is just a um, like a belief system from a famous doctor. I can't remember her name off the top of my head right now. So this is not me like making this up, um, but it's from the Tapping Solutions app. And they were saying cancer, and I'm not gonna say the word developed because it's no one's fault that gets cancer. Like you did not bring this on yourself but it's like symbolizes is a better word, deep hurts. Um, and I really take that back or took that in and was like, have I ever really truly loved myself? Like truly without, and I said this to my husband, I was like, without having to prove it, without having to prove my love, without having to be skinny, without having to have the perfect hair, without having to have a certain paying job to like tell people I make this much a year, like to not have to be the best athlete. Like my whole life, I felt like I had to prove that I was worthy through all of these things, through the way I looked, through the way I was as an athlete, through the way I was in school, through the way I was in today, I didn't have to prove to anybody anything. I just was me and I observed her for the first time, actually observed her. And she was like so cool. Like she was really cool and awesome. And I, I like love her.
and I haven't felt that ever. I love her. And it had no ties. There was no because I lost 30 pounds. There was no because I won a tournament. There was no because I got married. I love my husband to death. He's the fucking best thing that's ever happened in my life. But like it wasn't because of something. Do you know what I mean? It was, I just observed me and I loved me. And I have cancer and this happened when I have cancer. <laughs> and so I truly think this is meant for my journey. It's meant for my healing. It's meant to really show me who I am and to really love myself so that I can really do some good in the world. You have to love yourself to death before you can really love on other people. And I am challenged with this cancer, I truly believe, because I'm meant to do more. I'm meant to impact more people, but I have to love myself first before I can really truly make the impact that I want in this world. And I think this is going to really help me get there. And I'm going to beat this because I just don't see any other way that this can go. And if it does go the other way, then I guess that's my time. But I really don't believe that that's going to happen. And so I just wanted, that's the part I wanted to share with you today. <laughs> but, um... I haven't gone on here and told the full story yet, so got that out of the way. So next time I go live, I will not do that whole first part where I tell everybody the details about how I got here. I'll just direct people to this live if they want to know that. <laughs> but from here on out, when I go live, they still might be long because I'm long-winded, but it's more so going to be about my journey and what I'm really truly learning about myself and about humanity and about loving yourself um, through this journey of cancer. And you don't have to get cancer to, to learn this and I don't want you to. I don't want you to. I want you to love yourself like this and be able to be the observer like I was today without having to go through something like this. And I wanna help you do that when I'm able. And that's going to be my mission in life is to help people become the observer of themselves so that they can truly find unconditional self-love so that they can do more in the world of what they truly want to do and make an impact. Mark my words, that's what I'm going to be doing when I beat this and I'm in that position. Thank you so much for tuning in live. I'm going to get off so I can spend time with my husband because he's going to have to leave in an hour. Thanks for watching.